This morning I want to start with a story. A story about a boy. For the sake of our story, let's call him Jonathan. Jonathan lived about 2,000 years ago in a small town on the Sea of Galilee. His dad worked in the fish market, and his mom stayed at home and took care of family affairs and the children, like most moms of the time, did. Jonathan was about nine years old, so he was old enough to understand that they were poor, also old enough to accept it. You could tell they were poor by the way he was dressed. He had uh, a, a used robe that had a hole in it, and his sandals were worn, and the strap was not well attached, but it was okay. At least he had shoes. He didn't mind that much because he knew that spring was coming and it would soon be warmer and all of this wouldn't matter for a season. And this morning, he couldn't care less. You see, he got up early this morning because he was excited about what was going on around him. There was word of a prophet, a man that had been teaching stuff, a man that had been performing miracles, and he was close. He was close to where they lived and he was going to go see the prophet. So he got up early, and his mom was already up. She was preparing for the Passover. See, the Passover was coming, and there's lots to do in a Jewish home to prepare for the Passover. It's got to be cleaned very well, and there's lots of food to prepare. So mom was getting busy, so she got him a small breakfast and sent him with a small lunch. She gave him five barley crackers, five loaves of bread, and off he went to go see the prophet. Well, on his way, he stopped by the fish market where his dad was, and he told his dad where he was going and what he was doing and all the excitement about this man named Jesus, the one that they say is teaching things that, that people have never heard before, performing miracles that people have never seen before. His dad was excited about it, but he couldn't leave work, so he gave him two fish so he would have something to eat for the day. Once he got to where Jesus was, there was a huge crowd, people everywhere, about 5,000 men and their families. But he wanted to get close. He wanted to get closer, so he pushed his way through the crowd, closer and closer to Jesus, because he just wanted to see Jesus. When he got there, he saw Jesus. But to the side, there was a group of men having a very serious conversation. Being a nosy nine-year-old, he went over to the men to listen to see what they had to say, and he heard the men talking about food. He heard the men talking about lodging, and their idea was to send the people away to go find food and lodging. Well, he was shocked. He goes, but we're here to see Jesus. I just want to hear Jesus. I just want to see Jesus. I just want to see the miracles that people are talking about. So in desperation, he goes up to the men and he says, I don't have much, but I have five loaves of bread and two fish. Do you think this will help? The men didn't pay much attention to the boy, but instead decided to go with their own idea. So if you will, Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. We'll be reading verses 12 through 13. 
When you find your place, if you will stand in honor of reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 12. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and the countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy some food for this whole crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to the heavens, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. You may be seated. So I know I've added some fictitious backstory to the feeding of the 5,000. We don't know the details of this young boy, but this miracle is recorded in all four Gospels. And so we start to pull pieces from each of the stories and put together a narrative. And we see that this boy is excited to be there. He's excited to listen to the prophet. He is excited to see what's going on. And he didn't have much, but when he saw a need, he offered what he had. The disciples, on the other hand, had a little bit different perspective. You see, if we read before this, we see that the disciples and Jesus had just crossed the Sea of Galilee to a remote place to have some quiet downtime. But the crowd, seeing where he was going, ran around the sea to meet him. And so to the disciples, their plan was to spend some time quiet, alone with Jesus. So the crowd was a disturbance. The crowd was messing with their plans. And so for them, this hunger became an opportunity to send the crowds away, to convince Jesus to send them on so they could get back to their plans. You might say that while the boy was an optimist, hoping to hear and see Jesus, the disciples were a realist. That's really another word for a pessimist. Okay, And so the realist in them goes, oh, there's no way. We don't have enough food to feed everybody. We sure don't have enough money to buy this for the people. So in their realist attitude, they say, let's just send them away. But the boy just wanted Jesus. He just wanted to see Jesus. He wasn't worried about food. He wasn't worried about lodging. He was seeking Jesus to hear his teachings and to see a miracle. And in our story, as we move forward, we see that that is exactly what happened. Jesus took the small offering of the boy, broke it, and everybody had what they needed. The miracle of feeding of 5,000. So today, I want to talk a little about miracles. You see, miracles happen throughout the whole Bible. And we read them and we study them all the time. So today, I want to look at miracles. Here is the definition I'm working off of for miracles. An event that is not explainable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agent. Let me read it one more time to make sure you follow. An event that is not explainable by natural or scientific law and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agent. 
That's God. So, something that we cannot explain under human understanding. So, therefore, we give credit to God. That's a miracle. So we see miracles happen, and sometimes those miracles are in healing. People that are sick, that have been given no hope medically, we see God intervene and perform a miracle of healing. Miracles. Sometimes it's hardships. There's a situation in your life or in others' life that we see that there's no way out in our human understanding. And God steps in and performs miraculous work to get us out of that situation. Miracle. Sometimes it's something in our world that's spinning out of control and it needs to be changed and we don't see any earthly way. Politics, government leaders, nobody has a chance of changing it, but God can and he steps in and changes a situation. Miracle. Maybe it's someone's heart. Maybe someone has a hardened heart towards God, a hardened heart to the things of spiritual things, and instead is chasing the world 100%, and God steps in and changes their heart. Miracle. So when we look in the New Testament, there are 37 specific miracles attributed to Jesus. There's a generic statement about he healed other people, but 37 of them are recorded for us in the Gospels. And in these, you can divide them up into many categories, but here's the way that I choose to divide them. The first category is provision. God's provision in miraculous ways. We see this here in our story of the feeding of the 5,000. We see this also twice when they bring in a very large catch, providing Jesus making that miracle happen. We also see when Jesus and his disciples owed the temple tax that they, he provided through the coin in the mouth of the fish. God's provision in miraculous ways that we see in the life of Jesus. Second, most of the miracles fall into the category of healing. As we read through the Gospels over and over and over, we see Jesus heal a blind man. We see him heal a lame man. We see him heal a mute man. We also see him cast out unclean spirits so that people are healed of that. And so over and over, we see healing in Jesus' ministry. The third category is kind of natural miracles. This is where Jesus shows his power and authority over this world. I'm talking about him calming the sea. I'm talking about him walking on water or withering of the fig tree, where he shows that he is greater than the things of this world by showing his authority over the things of this world. And the final category is raising the dead. We see this first with Jairus' daughter, who he brought back to life. We see this in the story of Lazarus, who he showed up four days too late, as far as the people were concerned, but not too late for Jesus, because he still raised him back to life. And the last one, of course, is when he raised himself. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, who was dead on the cross, buried in the tomb, three days later, raised back to life. And in doing that, he raised us to life. Spiritually, we were dead in our transgressions, but because of Jesus Christ and because of his power, we are raised to life in Christ. And so we see Jesus perform these 37 miracles. There are another 182, conservatively speaking, miracles contributed to God the Father. 
throughout the whole Bible. Of course, it starts with creation and the miracle of being able to form the world out of nothing. All throughout the Old Testament, we see God taking care of his people in miraculous ways. Maybe it's parting the Red Seas so that his people could cross on dry land. Maybe it's Daniel in the lion's den where he is thrown in there and God shuts the mouth of the lion. There is not a scratch on him the next morning the New Testament, we see Paul thrown in prison and God come in and open the prison doors so that he could be set free. Miracle upon miracle upon miracle happens in the Bible. In our miracle today, I would like us to go back and focus on Luke 9.16. The verse Luke 9.16 says this, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Taking the bread and the fish, he looked up to heaven. He prayed, thanking God, then he broke them and distributed them out. He, Jesus, in his all-knowing of what was about to happen, gave thanks for the miracle, asking God to be a part of the miracle, asking God to bless him, thanking him for it, and then performed the miracle of feeding of 5,000. And so when I look at this, I look at Jesus praying to heaven asking for this miracle to take place. And so today I want to ask you, when's the last time you prayed for a miracle? When's the last time you prayed for a miracle? I'm talking about a situation where there was no earthly way, no humanly way for it to be taken care of. And we cry out to God and say, the only way is for you to perform a miracle. We know Jesus prayed all throughout his ministry. It started with the prayer at his baptism. The Bible tells us many times that he went off in the morning or he went off in solitude in order to pray to his father. He told us that he prayed when he was facing trials. We see before many of the miracles that he prays to God, we know specifically the prayer of the garden and the prayer on the cross. Jesus prayed many, many times. So my argument is that we need to pray throughout our lives, many, many times. The staff went through a book several years ago called The Art of Pastoring by David Hansen. And David tells us that there are two kinds of prayers that we all need to engage in. Two kinds of prayers. The first one he calls wandering prayers. Wandering prayers. This is the prayer that is the ongoing conversation between you and God all day long. It's the 1 Thessalonians 5.17 where it says pray continually. Other verses say pray without ceasing. I learned this when I was going through something much younger and someone spoke this into me that you need to pray without ceasing. And I've taken that on and I've challenged and I understand that that prayer is an everyday kind of prayer. A God, help me in this situation. God, what should I do in this situation? God, I need wisdom for this. God, what's going on here? And it happens all day long, every day, 24-7, wandering prayers that we all should be engaging in. The second kind of prayer that David Hansen tells us about, he calls morning prayers. I call them dedicated prayers. This is the time in your prayer life where you are praying through lists, where you're praying through a journal, where you are praying through specific things that you're asking God to do. And many times you go through these day after day after day asking God for the same things. This is dedicated prayer. 
And so when God put this together for me about four years ago, I was preaching this prayer series with our students, Luke 9, 16. The staff was reading through this book, The Art of Pastoring, about these dedicated prayers. God led me to a prayer time of 9-16. So I set my alarm at 9-16 every day and started praying for miracles. I was praying for miracles to happen. Now, it's not my only prayer time, but at 9-16 is the time I pray for God to perform miracles. Over the last four years, I have prayed for sick people to be healed and I've seen miracles. I've prayed for broken marriages to be restored, and I've seen miracles. I've prayed for prodigal children to return, and I've seen miracles. Not long after I started the 916 prayer, my twin brother called me, and he said, we need to pray for our older brother. Most of you have never met my older brother. He lives in Texas, but he, like I did, grew up in church and was saved at a young age. Unfortunately, when he got older into high school, he chose to follow the world to the point that in his early 20s, he was dealing drugs. The police got a hold of him and he got in some trouble, but thanks be to God that he walked away from that lifestyle. He tried to come back to church, but the church, knowing what he had done, rejected him. For the next 20 years, he walked away from the church. And so, four years ago, he was going through a divorce. You see, he and his wife had been married, and they were unable to have kids, and God allowed them to separate. So, during that time, my brother and I started praying for him at 916 every day. I said, Justin, I just started this 916 prayer, so you need to join me. So, every day at 916, my twin brother and I were praying for my older brother. Now, my older brother is private and doesn't share a whole lot. Probably wouldn't appreciate me sharing today. So, we didn't really know what was going on in his life. But through the divorce, some people he worked with had started taking him to church. And on Friday, before Easter Sunday, about six months later, after we started praying for him, he sent us a text message that said, I thought y'all might want to know, I'm going to church on Sunday to be confirmed in the Catholic Church. Guys, this is a miracle. My brother was a drug dealer that walked away from God for 20 plus years. And God performed a miracle. It gets even better. Through his coming back to Christ, he and his wife's relationship was restored. They are married, and about a year ago, God blessed them with their first child. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that God captured a heart that was cold to him and has taken somebody that would not even go to church to who is now teaching class, classes in a Catholic church. Now, I acknowledge I'm a Baptist preacher. I probably would have chosen something other than Catholic. <clears throat> but he is a scientist, and he says the, it makes sense in his mind the way they worship, and he is all in with God. And when I see him, he is a different person because of his relationship with Jesus. And so that is 
I tell you this story because I know there are people in the room who are praying for prodigals. That you have children or grandchildren that are living a prodigal life. Don't stop praying. God is still in the business of performing miracles, and He can call them back, so don't stop praying. In the middle of praying for my older brother, my twin brother got sick. Some of you know him. He went on mission trip with us a few years ago, and actually when he got back from the mission trip, he had to have his spleen removed. When they removed the spleen, the vein that feeds blood to the spleen is supposed to clot. Unfortunately for him, the clotting didn't stop there. It continued to grow both north and south to where his blood flow was completely restricted, getting the blood back up his body through his intestines to the liver. So he went into the ICU very, very sick. And the doctors were trying to clear this clotting through medications and procedures that they had. So every day they would go into surgery, get in his veins, and try to drill out that clotting. Day after day after day. Three days in, they came out and they said, we're not giving up. But every day we go in and drill, the next day it looks the same. So that night, I offered to stay up with my brother. He kind of needed 24-hour care, and his wife had been taking good care of him, but she was tired. So I said, you sleep in the corner, and I'll stay up with him and take care of him. So around 9 o'clock that night, I showed up to take care of my brother. And in the room, they were preparing him to get ready to sleep for that night, and the oppression in the room was heavy. I was not ready to go in and pray and do spiritual warfare because it was was heavy in the room. So I got up and I left the room, and I went to go find a place to pray, and there was a prayer garden where I spent the next hour praying to God, and I went from a prayer of desperation to where God changed my heart. He changed my prayer to a prayer of hope. God told me that he is greater than anything in this world. He told me that if with the faith of a mustard seed, we can move mountains, and the mountains are way bigger than these blood clots, and that I need to pray in faith, believing that he will do great things, and God changed my heart. So at 10 o'clock, I went back in the room, and I prayed a prayer of faith over my brother and over my sister-in-law. And I told them that God was going to perform a miracle. And in his case, the miracle happened that night. I started praying at 10 o'clock, and I prayed until 3 o'clock in the morning, continually praying for God to perform a miracle. And as I prayed, his alarms had been going off all day, they stopped going off. He was burning up to the point that the room was freezing cold, and he started to cool down and need a blanket. And the monitor, the oxygen went higher and higher and higher to where at three o'clock in the morning, the oxygen hit one, zero, zero. I jumped up to get my phone to take a picture of it, and then it said 99. (laughs) I don't know why God chose to let me see that miracle take place. But that has changed my prayer life. I understand that God performs miracles, and in his case, it was an instantaneous miracle. In some cases, it takes a long time. And sometimes, 
God has another answer besides what we're thinking. But God is still in the business of miracles. And so I come this morning to encourage you to pray. Pray because it moves God. It changes God and we see miracles. Just like this boy that wanted to see Jesus, wanted to see miracles. I want to see miracles. What would it be like to have been in that crowd that day and see Jesus perform the miracle of feeding the 5,000? Wow. God still does that today. And we can see God perform miracles. So we pray. Why do we pray? It moves God. Let me give you two examples. First, in Exodus 32, Moses is up on the mountain. He is receiving the Ten Commandments and that whole scenario. And down at the foot of the mountain, the people gather their gold. They make the golden calf and begin to worship it. And God tells Moses that he is going to destroy the people. And then Moses prayed. Exodus 32, 14 says, Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Moses prayed and God moved. It said the Lord relented. So the way I read that, Moses prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed until God said, Okay, I'll relent, I'll give in, I will not destroy the people. Moses prayed and God moved. Later in Isaiah 38, we see King Hezekiah becoming ill. God sends Isaiah to King Hezekiah and he says, You've become sick and you will not recover. You need to get your family affairs in order. And the Bible says Hezekiah prayed. Then in Isaiah 38, 5, God says, Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayers, I have seen your tears, and I will add 15 years to your life. Hezekiah prayed, and God moved. Guys, this is why we pray. We pray because it moves God. We pray because when we have a request, God loves us. And God hears our prayers, and he sees our tears, and he responds. We see in the New Testament that James reminds us that we should pray for each other. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And if you are a believer in Christ, you are a righteous person because of what Jesus has done for you. So your prayers are powerful and effective. So we are called to pray for each other so that we may be healed. God performs miracles still today. In our passage, we see very clearly in the story of the, we see very clearly why God performs miracles. In the John version of this miracle, it ends like this in John six fourteen. It says, after the people saw the signs, Jesus performed the miracle. They began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come. So after the miracle, God received all glory. He received glory for the, his miracle works, and people acknowledge that he is the one to come into the world. They acknowledge that he is the one that they've been waiting on and the Savior of the world. And so in our passage, we see a boy looking for a miracle, looking to seek God, hear God, 
and see God perform miracles. We see that God pray, Jesus prays to the Father as he performs the miracle. And then we see Jesus receive all the glory and they understand that he is the one to come. So I close by asking you, what do you need to pray for? What miracle do you need to pray for? Because I know every one of us in this room knows somebody that needs healing. It might be you. It might be a family member. It might be a friend. But there are people in our lives that we know are dealing with major illnesses that we do not know how they're going to be healed. I'll tell you right now, I have two people that are currently on my 916 prayer list. The first one is a church member here, a lady, that is dealing with some major medical issues. It's not my story to tell, but I hope that one day when Jesus shows up and heals her of her disease, that I'll be able to share what God has done because I pray in faith, believing that Jesus will heal her. The second one is a guy that I grew up with. His name is Michael. He grew up and became a preacher. And about five years ago, he decided to leave his family to seek a homosexual relationship. He did not walk away from God. Instead, he moved to New York and is now the pastor of a gay-affirming church. I pray for God to break that stronghold in his life every day at 916. And I believe in faith that one day Jesus will convict him and correct him and that he will be back in believing what is true. And that will only happen by a miracle of God. So what are you praying for? Are you praying for somebody that needs provision? That somebody that is struggling? For somebody that the only way they're going to get out of the situation they need is by a miracle for God? Please pray for that person. Are you praying for a lost person? Somebody that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that their heart and their mind is far from God, and the only way that they're going to come to Jesus is if God shows up and performs a miracle in their life. Who are you praying for today? I ask to join me in prayer. You can join me at 916 or whatever time that you pray for your dedicated prayer time. But I ask you for, to pray for the person that God has laid on your heart. I ask you to pray for this church and for revival to take place in this church because it always starts with prayer and God initiating that movement. So we see a miracle of him working. So today we start with prayer at the altar. If this morning you're willing to come to the altar and pray for your person, pray for healing, provision, pray for a prodigal return, pray for somebody to find Christ, the altar's open for you to come, for you to pray. So my challenge today is for you to seek God, to seek God, to pray for miracles, and watch God and see what he does. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your miracle-working power, God. And each and every one of us in this room needs you. Each and every one of us needs you to show up in our lives, in our friends' lives, in our family's life, God. And so today we kneel at this altar and we present our request to you, believing in faith that you will perform a miracle. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.